The second law of thermodynamics, as presented by Brilliant.org, states, The entropy of an isolated system, or any cyclic process, never decreases. It will either increase or remain the same, with entropy being the amount of disorder or molecular chaos in a system. Chaos and disorder are fundamental properties of existence. Heat in a closed system will always spread out and distribute until everything in the system is of equal temperature. A hot cup of coffee will always go cold if it sits in a room colder than itself. And so, naturally, I will now exploit the subjective law of heat transfer as a subjective philosophical metaphor regarding the inevitability of death. According to USCB Science Line, in the observable universe, there are an estimated 100 billion galaxies, and divided amongst these, there are one septillion stars, which in case you are unfamiliar with this number, it is a 1 with 24 zeros. I would highly recommend writing this out to get some perspective because indeed, this is more stars than there are sand grains on Earth. Each of these stars then are millions to billions of times larger than the Earth and are spread out with unfathomable distances apart from each other. But as you know, all of these stars are essentially nothing compared to the infinite amount of empty space that exists all around them and in between each and every one of the trillions upon trillions of atoms that make up each of these stars. Indeed, in mathematics, if we have a finite value and divide it by an infinite value, we are left with an approximation that is equivalent to zero. Thus, all of these stars are quite literally nothing. And unfortunately, you, me, and everyone else on this planet exists in much the same state. As you know, every living thing on this planet, every idea, every machine, every laugh, every song, every star, every narcissistic tyrant, every saint, everything, will one day succumb to the inevitability of death. A rock erodes, a picture fades, a coffee gets cold, and you die. We all die. But that's okay. In 1873, Friedrich Nietzsche, a 19th century German philosopher, wrote in his work on truth and lie in an extra moral sense, this interesting but very nihilistic passage. In some remote corner of the universe, poured out and glittering in innumerable solar systems, there once was a star on which clever animals invented knowledge. That was the haughtiest and most mendacious minute of world history, yet only a minute. After nature had drawn a few breaths, the star grew cold, and the clever animals had to die. As edited and translated by Walter Kaufman from the Portable Nietzsche. The thing that is most unsettling about this passage is not its pessimism, but rather its subtle and eerie realism. It is far more likely that humankind will go extinct on this planet rather than any other in the entire universe. But of course, it is human nature to aspire for something more. It is ingrained in our minds that we, and nothing else, are at the center of the universe, and that is our mission to conquer the universe, obtain all its knowledge, and master the laws of reality. Yet Nietzsche puts it plain and clear that this idolized vision of our species is nothing more than arrogance disguised as superiority and hope. We're just these clever animals who invented this silly thing called knowledge which makes us somehow more superior than the other life that has survived on this planet just as long, if not much, much longer than we have. 
That is, of course, not to say that we are unimpressive. Humankind is remarkable. We can put people on the moon. We can shoot beams of invisible waves out of electronic boxes to speak to each other. We can compose music. We can write. We can split the fundamental building blocks of reality to produce radioactive explosions of titanic proportions. We can hug. We can kiss. We can ponder our weird and strange existence in this infinite universe. And we can love. But we are not nearly and far, far from the most significant things in the universe. The fact is, there shall come a time when the earth goes cold and the clever animals, us, shall succumb to the same fate of the billions upon billions of life forms that have existed on this wonderful rock we are lucky to call home. But where is all this death? The stars still shine, the birds still sing, and we all still have to wake up tomorrow morning and go about our day as if none of it matters. I mean, does it matter? Does it matter that we'll all die? Does it matter that we're just sacks of water stuck on a rock floating through space at tens of thousands of miles per hour? The thing is, not really, or at least according to the absurdist philosopher. As defined by the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, absurdism is a philosophy based on the belief that the universe is irrational and meaningless, and that the search for order brings the individual into conflict with the universe. Essentially, the absurdist looks at the universe and they think that it is entirely indifferent to them. Everything in this universe is arbitrary, meaningless, irrational, and completely and utterly void of any conceivable care or thought of the human being. From there, we are left in this conflict, this division between ourselves and the universe around us, this barrier between meaning and unmeaning, rational and irrational, destiny and chance, is what we call the absurd. But it is the very fact that this universe, all of its atoms, all of its energy, and all of its nothingness, is completely indifferent to us, that is the exact thing that gives our lives meaning. The universe does not need to care about you in order for you to see its beauty, it just is. There does not need to be such a thing as destiny or fate for you to enjoy hugging your mother, laughing with your friends, or wondering about the mysteries of the universe. All that you need and all that you will ever have is your conscious mind and the freedom to do with it as you please. Now, Albert Camus, a 20th century existential philosopher, once posed what he thought to be, as quoted in a 1991 translation of his work, The Myth of Sisyphus. The only one really serious philosophical question, and that is suicide. Here he asks us whether life is or is not worth living. If all of this is objective and meaningless, then why do we go about living it? If we are simply going to die tomorrow or the next day, or some inconceivable day off into the future, then why should we not just end it right now? After a series of thought and analysis, he ends off his essay with an old Greek myth about a king named Sisyphus. Sisyphus, who lived long, long ago, had decided to trick the gods. Zeus, being enraged that a mere mortal had deceived them, condemned the self-righteous king to an arduous and never-ending task. Sisyphus was to push a boulder up a hill, only for it to roll back down over and over again for the rest of eternity. This account of repeating an endless, arbitrary task is a metaphor for this absurd life that we live, waking up every day, going to work, going home, sleeping, and starting over again. But Albert Camus proclaimed that Sisyphus 
had one final trick up his sleeves, to take the struggle as his own and find meaning and purpose in it. This was the greatest act of rebellion, the greatest trick of all time. To take pleasure in this seemingly horrific punishment and find contentment within it. And so, I leave you with the final paragraph of Camus' The Myth of Sisyphus, as translated by Justin O'Brien in 1991. I leave Sisyphus at the foot of the mountain. One always finds one's burden again. But Sisyphus teaches the higher fidelity that negates the gods and raises rocks. He too concludes that all is well. This universe henceforth without a master seems to him neither sterile or futile. Each atom of that stone, each mineral flake of that night-filled mountain, in itself forms a world. The struggle itself toward the heights is enough to fill a man's heart. One must imagine Sisyphus happy.